1: If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
0: And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Leading Learning Podcast and our first episode of 2018. We're going to kick off the new year by talking about capacity, which we think of as the resources necessary to implement your strategy, pursue your mission, and achieve your vision. Definitely important stuff to be thinking about as a new year begins. But before we do that, we want to acknowledge our sponsor for the first quarter of 2018.
1: We are very happy to have Blue Sky eLearn sponsoring this quarter. Blue Sky is the maker of the PATH Learning Management System, an award winning cloud based learning solution that empowers your organization to maximize its message. Blue Sky also provides a range of virtual event and instructional services to help you maximize your content and create deeper engagement with your audience. To find out more about Blue Sky eLearn and everything it offers, visit blueskyelearn.com.
0: For the resource for this episode, we want to highlight an article that focuses squarely on the topic of capacity. The article is titled, The Capacity Continuum, and it's something we first published many years ago before we even started Tagoris, much less the Leading Learning Podcast, but the core ideas in it are as relevant as ever. To download a copy of the Capacity Continuum, just go to the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com episode 115. And that is an excellent segue into our main topic for this episode, which is, of course, capacity. So maybe we should start off by talking about what capacity is and why we think it's worth dedicating an episode to
1: it. As you noted at the beginning, Jeff, we think of capacity as the resources necessary to implement your strategy, pursue your mission, and achieve your vision. You know, you can have the most inspiring vision in the world, you can have a really powerful mission, you can have a great strategy, but if you don't have the capacity for executing, none of those things really matters very much. So we think that understanding capacity and more importantly, building capacity is one of the most critical activities an organization can pursue.
0: In fact, we think it's important enough that we made it one of the five domains in our learning business maturity model. And for listeners not familiar with the maturity model, it's a free resource we've created that provides a framework for assessing the maturity of your learning and education business across five domains and then determining where to focus your efforts going forward. And we'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. And we'll also link to an episode in which we discussed it in some detail. In the maturity model, we identify five domains on which organizations need to focus in order to build a mature, high-performing learning business. And we pose key questions about each of these domains. And the question for capacity is, does the organization have sufficient capacity in terms of human resources and technology to pursue the vision and strategy effectively?
1: The uh, learning business maturity model also lays out the four stages of maturity that organizations progress through. We won't cover all of those stages uh, in the context of this episode, but with respect to capacity, a mature stage four organization's learning business has the necessary resources, human and technological, to address current needs as well as resources to support ongoing innovation and growth. Um, A stage four organization uh, also has processes that are well-defined and continuously evaluated and improved. And the business consistently invests in staff and volunteer development.
0: And I think it's important there that uh, you brought out different aspects of capacity, Salisa. I mean, it's not just about the human resources, as important as, as those are, uh, but also about the the processes that uh, those uh, those individual humans are going to be using to actually do the work of the organization. And then, of course, using technology uh, as a way to help uh, leverage and extend the capacity of the organization.
1: And I'll just note that, you know, you were talking about the humans and we're talking about the, the human resources, you know, that may be, uh, full-time or part-time staff, that may be contractors, that may be volunteers. Um, in terms of the technology, it's not just about uh, maybe what you've spent a lot of money on, not necessarily just about your association management system or your um, uh, customer relationship management system or your learning management system. It might also be some of the the free tools and technologies that you use. And then in terms of processes, um, you know, you really have to think about what are the key processes. Not all of them are going to be necessarily complex, but there's still uh, the need to understand which processes you have in place to document those so that everyone has them as, as a point of departure.
0: So that's our perspective on what capacity is and why it's so important. So now let's talk a little bit about the challenges we know organizations face with capacity because we know this is an area with which most organizations struggle. We do have data about it. Most of the data we have is from associations, but we know from experience that the the situation is similar in in other learning businesses.
1: So the first challenge that we'll highlight is that um, learning businesses are often understaffed. In the online survey of membership organizations, that's the backbone of our Association Learning Plus Technology 2017 report, we asked respondents about their overall staff size, as well as the the number of staff who devote more than half their time to education or professional development activities. Um, The respondents' organizations um, average 489.9 paid staff overall, with 9.2 paid staff members who spend more than half their time working in education or professional development. The medians are, are more modest, 24 paid staff with three spending more than half their time on education or professional development. So if we we base our uh, percentages on the averages, 1.9% are dedicated to education and professional development. If we base it on the medians, about 12.5% of of folks uh, of staff are are dedicated to education or professional development. Now, given that education is nearly always a, a major part of the mission of these organizations, we feel like those... Those numbers are really quite low. Um, you know, arguably we were asking about paid staff, and maybe they're supplementing um, their their learning um, and professional development education activities with contractors or, or volunteers. But uh, anecdotally, we know um, that that organizations really are um, under resourced, and and that it tends to to span across kind of all ranges of the human resources, whether staff, whether uh, contractors, whether um, volunteers, that they're just Need to be more people in order to really deliver on on the vision that people have for their learning business.
0: We do hear that a, a lot um, that you know, that uh, organizations just don't have uh, the, the people they need to to get things done, and it's a it's really kind of surprising to us because, you know, we're dealing with learning businesses. So this isn't a, you know, a corporate training department where this is an expense. Um, This is typically a revenue generating part of the business or the organization Um, at least has to break even, in most cases has to be profitable. So, you know, by dedicating more capacity to it, you're presumably going to put yourself in a position to grow revenue. But still, you know, we keep hearing that uh, organizations feel that they are understaffed and it's an issue that definitely needs to be addressed. Another area that um, that we certainly hear about, uh, we see in action, and we have data on, is that very often um, key processes are, are, are not in place within learning businesses. So, in that same survey that that you referenced, Salisa. Two thirds of the respondents whose organizations use technology for learning um, don't have a formal documented product development process that includes technology enabled and technology enhanced education. Products, And then, you know, over half, 60%, lack a formal documented process for setting prices for those technology-enabled and technology-enhanced products. So, you know, in many cases, these are a mainstay or, or a growing uh, part of the organization's learning portfolio, so an area where they're, they're trying to, you know, grow enrollments, um, uh, grow revenue, but they don't have that documented product development process, they don't have that documented pricing process, and so that means that every time they go back, you know, to figure out what they're going to create and how they're going to price it, they're kind of reinventing the wheel in a way, or they're certainly not being as efficient as they could be with the the resources that they have on hand.
1: And you know, part of having a, a team in place and being able to all pull towards the same goals really is having those key processes documented. So you know, whether it's um, you know Sarah on your team or, or Mohammed on your team, that they're always um, uh, applying the same. Um, uh, process to getting a a job or task done. So we see that as really important. So that's two challenges that the key processes aren't in place or if they are in place, they aren't documented or well documented. And then the the first one which I mentioned was being understaffed or maybe we should say under human resourced um, since we're not necessarily talking only about paid staff, but just not having enough bodies to get what you want done done. And then the third challenge we'll highlight is that um, technology often isn't being used to full effect. And so again, the the survey from the 2017 Association Learning Plus Technology report, um, in that survey we asked organizations currently using technology for learning, if they use that technology to repeat, reinforce, or sustain learning after participants complete an educational product or service and not, a, not quite a third, 31.5% say that they do use technology for sustaining learning. But for that two thirds that, that aren't using technology for sustaining learning, we, we really see that as a missed opportunity um, for having a greater impact with the education and learning that you're offering. And, and that idea of a greater impact, that to us is, is very much in line with capacity building. We also found that uh, only about 15% of respondents that have a learning technology platform in place report using the data they collect in that learning technology platform to make decisions about the current and future educational products and services they offer. Um, Again, we see technology as a way to, to greatly enhance your capacity to be able to use some of those uh, data points to actually drive decisions. It's in line with that idea of having processes in place. You're you're taking things out of kind of um, an individual's gut reaction and you're, you're putting some um, quantitative data out there to enable your decision making. And, and so we, we really think that this is a great use of technology and one where there's often room for more improvement, that idea of really mining um, the data that you're getting back there so that you can make decisions about what to um, offer more of, what to offer less of, um, what to change.
0: And so those are the areas where we know uh, organizations are facing challenges with capacity. So, you know, the issue of being understaffed or more accurately under human resource, just not having the, the people that are, that are needed to get things done. Uh, not having uh, key processes in place, or at least not having them documented well so that they they can be transferred, passed on, shared uh, for more efficiency within the organization. And then finally, uh, not using technology to full advantage, uh, really getting the the bang for the buck, uh, the bang for the resources out of the technology that's in place. And so those are the challenges um of course you know the, the the flip side of every challenge is that there are opportunities there and addressing them to to try to get some new gains in capacity and of course these may not be the the specific challenges that uh, you're facing in your organization so we definitely encourage you to to take some time to think about these think about how they're impacting your organization but also think about what's specific to you what are your challenges and on the flip side what are the opportunities that those challenges represent for building capacity in the coming year, and along those lines, you know, we don't we don't want to just throw out challenges and uh, make everybody feel overwhelmed. We want to try to support you in growing capacity, and so we have seven recommendations that uh, we're going to offer and. I'll frame this by saying that, you know, obviously, in in many instances, organizations do simply need to increase human resources. They need more staff or they need more contractors. Um, But we know that, you know, very often that's just not going to be possible for, you know, for budgeting reasons or, or, or other reasons. So we thought we'd offer some recommendations that don't require hiring. In fact, most of them don't even require spending money.
1: So our first recommendation is that you understand where you are. And to help you understand where you are, we have an assessment that is part of the Learning Business Maturity Model. So again, if you go to the show notes at leadinglearning.com uh, slash episode 115, we'll make sure to link to that model and the assessment. So you can use that to really begin to understand where you are. And it can also become a way for you to consider capacity as you review and refine your strategy. And since um, often reviewing and refining strategy is is sort of an annual effort as we're starting a new year, now might be a time when you're doing that at your organization. And as part of looking at your strategy, really think about the capacity implications for your strategy. Um, What are the new opportunities and challenges arising? Um, And what are the... uh, needs in terms of capacity, are you going to need additional uh, capacity or different capacity? Also think about where you might need uh, less capacity than in the past. Maybe there's um, technology that's um, uh, automating some of the tasks that, that staff um, previously had to do, and now maybe they have some time that they can spend on other activities. And that kind of aligns to, the, to this third question, which is, you know, are there opportunities for shifting your resources?
0: And so that's the, the first one, understanding where you are, which uh, we feel is important with respect to capacity. We also feel it's very important in other areas like strategy, You know, understanding your current situation is, is fundamental to developing the right strategy that's then going to be supported by the, the capacity that you have. The next item or the next recommendation that we want to make is to adopt a growth mindset. And uh, I'm sure many Listeners will recognize uh, growth mindset as a concept that comes from Carol Dweck, who's a Stanford psychologist who has done decades of research into what differentiates successful individuals from those who are less successful. And, you know, her core idea is that some individuals have what she characterizes as a fixed mindset, meaning they feel like they have a a certain amount of intelligence, a certain amount of capacity, and they're not really going to be able to move beyond that. It's what they're born with. Other individuals have what she calls a growth mindset, and they feel that their intelligence is malleable; that they that they can uh, build their capacity as individuals and take on new challenges and grow and develop. And she's done, you know, years of, of research, um, uh, a number of studies to demonstrate that uh, these two mindsets really do differentiate people. And she's focused primarily on individuals in her research, but. You know, we've realized over many, many years of working with a variety of organizations that there is also an organizational mindset, that organizations tend to collectively, you know, view themselves in a certain way. And so you have fixed mindset organizations that are kind of locked into that. We've always done-it-this-way mentality, they don't really see a way of breaking through that and, and growing past where they are right now. And, you know, and it may not be explicit. Nobody's walking around saying that, but it's kind of implicit in, in how they act and how they operate day in and day out. And then on the other hand, you have organizations that do have that growth mindset that, that do see the potential for building capacity taking on new challenges capitalizing on new opportunities so you know as an organization it's important periodically to to assess what your mindset is within the organization. It's particularly important for leaders to be able to assess that within the organization and know if a change needs to happen. And of course, the beginning of any year is a, is a good time to do that. And, you know, to the extent that you're not seeing a growth mindset in your organization, take steps to, to promote more of a growth mindset. And, you know, one of the findings of Dweck's work that's really interesting is just making people aware of the, the two possibilities, the fixed versus the growth mindset, makes them much more likely to embrace uh, the growth mindset. So you know, if you need to raise this as an issue in the organization, have an open conversation about it, and challenge the organization to adopt that growth mindset to build capacity going into the new year.
1: The third recommendation that we'll offer is investing in training for your human resources, for your staff, for your volunteers, potentially for your contractors. This is low hanging fruit, but it's often overlooked or, or not invested in sufficiently. If you want your organizational capacity to grow, you have to invest in the individuals that comprise the organization. And we found that one of the ironies of our work uh, with learning businesses is that often the people who are responsible for developing and delivering education and professional development for others don't have enough opportunities to develop themselves. The beginning of the year is a great time to make a plan to change that. So identify relevant events. Get them on the calendar for the relevant people. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention here that we have an upcoming event of our own, Learning Technology Design. It's going to be an extended uh, virtual conference taking place throughout the month of February. And um, we designed it specifically for people working in learning businesses, because uh, in addition to people often ironically not um, spending enough time on their own development, we also found that we didn't think there was a a great event or a great option for the folks working in the learning business.
0: And, you know, we really did uh, create that event to to help organizations and individuals uh, address that issue of being able to build capacity. We've, you know, really gone to great lengths to figure out what the most pressing issues and challenges are for uh, those individuals who will be attending learning technology design? We did a lot of surveying. Uh, we've, you know, obviously just monitored what's going on out there over time, and so we've defined a, a program that really focuses in on topical areas that are that are likely to have an impact in organizations if they're able to improve their capacity in these areas. We've also focused on having. Frontline practitioners, you know, people who are day in and day out uh, leading learning businesses, working in learning businesses, deliver the sessions and then share what they're doing, where they're finding their successes. We have eight workshops. That are going to be offered throughout the month of February. Uh, those are going to be interspersed with what we call content pods, uh, shorter sessions that focus in on you know specific uh, issues, um, specific tools to help give you that you know quick high impact hit that can help you to in- improve your capacity. And then we're going to you know complement all of that with a, a learning community that will go on um, before, during, and, and after the event to, to help uh, really cement the-, the learning that's going on and then help make it stick.
1: So I think the overarching um, uh, criterion that we have in place is that we really want actionable, practical um, uh, sessions that that really help you with your learning business. You can find out more at ltd.tagoris.com. We'll also make sure to link to that site in the show notes.
0: So the fourth uh,
1: item there then was
0: to, you know, actually invest in training for staff and volunteers. And then the, uh, and actually that was a third one. The fourth one is around making knowledge development and sharing an ongoing practice. And, and this actually follows well out of talking about LTD, um, because, you know, we frequently advocate coming together as a group to, you uh, you know, to discuss the issues and challenges that the organization is facing and to engage collectively in in building and sharing knowledge and and certainly, you know, attending something like LTD, a virtual conference where everybody can be in the room together and engage together uh, is one approach to doing that. We also advocate, you know, many of the tools that we provide or that you may get from other sources to make those a a group activity, an activity for group discussion. So, you know, as an example, uh, the, the value Value ramp is uh, something we talk about frequently. That's really a product strategy tool, and it's a, it's a visual tool. Um, you you know you draw it up uh, on a, on a board or, or use a, a slide um, from our website to um, to to look at it. But to have a group of people gathered together to be able to discuss. Your value ramp and you know, the, the the products and offerings that fall along your value ramp, and we've seen again and again, both in our own work and, and had organizations reported back to us that uh, when they're able to use a visual tool like this, they just you know have great discussion. It uh, elicits knowledge from you know different people across the organization, creates new knowledge, gets everybody thinking and, and sharing together to to tackle issues. So we highly recommend that you you make this kind of coming together as a group really a part of your capacity building in your organization. And uh, and make it something you prioritize. Make it something you schedule, whether that's on a weekly or a monthly or a quarterly basis, whatever works for your organization. But have it on the calendar. Have it be a commitment that you're going to get people together, staff, volunteers, contractors, whoever's relevant to... Share knowledge um, to you know share it around an event, share it around a tool, whatever the case might be, um, and, and document that and, and use what you get out of those sessions to help drive your capacity building going forward.
1: So our fifth recommendation is about processes and um, really it's about identifying, fleshing out and documenting your key processes that are part of your learning business. Now as we already mentioned, many organizations don't have clear, well-documented processes in place for things like product development and pricing. But um, even beyond those uh, processes, there are many other processes that I'm sure are in place in your learning business. So take a close look, inventory what those processes are that really are fundamental to your learning business that are most important to your organization and commit to um, fleshing those out fully and documenting them. Now, this will support your current capacity, um, but it also supports your longer-term sustainability because as staff or volunteers or contractors move on, you have that documented process to provide as a tool to a, a new individual coming on board.
0: So that was number five, fleshing out and documenting key processes Number six is to set clear goals and track metrics for the use of technology. And, uh, you know, we've seen again and again that uh, organizations will invest significantly in technology or bring in an array of technologies, but then not really get the value out of them that uh, that they could. Um, you know and, and technology really should be something that creates leverage for the organization. but you know oftentimes the reason that leverage doesn't happen is because the the goals for bringing in that technology in the first place have not really been well articulated. and then to the extent that they have been articulated, um, the the key metrics, you know the evidence that the technology is doing, what it is supposed to do, haven't really been established um, and or nobody's really been held accountable for them. So being clear about what those goals are, being clear about the metrics, how you're going to know that the technology is doing what it needs to do and, you know, having people accountable for them, have that be part of your, you know, your internal meetings and and reporting um, going forward is an essential part of making sure you've got the capacity in place. And you may find, as as part of evaluating your goals and your metrics around technology, that uh, that you need different technology or you need new technology to make sure that you're actually able. do what you need to do as a learning business and to the extent that's the case um, we're going to provide a link in the show notes to uh, a blog uh, actually two blog posts a series about selecting learning technologies so this will walk you through some of the key things to think about and those things that you're thinking about when you're selecting are also the things that are going to drive your goals and are going to drive your metrics so even if you're not necessarily looking at new or different technologies right now, it's a good uh, post to review. We'll also say if a learning management system or other learning platform is, is part of what you're considering for technology in 2018, uh, definitely get over to our new site, uh, reviewmylms.com, where you can get reviews submitted by peers on uh, learning management systems that are good for market-facing learning businesses. And this can help to uh, really make your your search process more efficient and more effective. So definitely get over to reviewmylms.com.
1: So I have a a seventh and final recommendation, but before I offer it, I'll quickly recap. Our first recommendation to helping you um, improve your capacity is to first understand where you are in terms of capacity. The second is to uh, adopt a growth mindset. The third is to invest in training for your people. The fourth is to make knowledge development and sharing an ongoing practice among your team. The fifth is to uh, identify, flesh out, document your key processes. And then the sixth that Jeff was just talking about is to be really clear about the goals for your use of technology and to track metrics to make sure that you're actually getting what you hope to out of your technology. So the seventh and final recommendation is connect with other organizations. Um, And and so what we're suggesting here is that you make a commitment to connect with and learn from peers at other organizations. And we suggest not just making this a nice to do item, um, as part of your internal knowledge sharing and development, brainstorm a list of issues and challenges on which you would like to be able to learn from others. And then start actively seeking out organizations that have done what you want to do. You might be able to uh, identify other organizations who are doing what you want to do um, through listservs and online communities um, hosted by organizations like the Association for Talent Development, the eLearning Guild, or the American Society of Association Executives. Um, You can also bring your Issues and questions to events like our upcoming learning technology uh, design event, as Jeff mentioned, we're going to include significant uh, support for peer sharing and and learning, and so you can bring those issues and challenges there. And then we'll also say that you know you can reach out to us directly for for contacts if you have a specific um, uh, issue or challenge or, or idea, um, you know. You can contact us, and because of our experience and and our network, we may be able to um, connect you with someone else, some contacts that we can offer. So you can reach out to us by emailing us at leadinglearning@tagoras.com
0: And I'll note that uh, another way that you can always reach out to us is by going to the show notes for any episode and it is possible to to comment uh, on the the show note pages so you can you know put a question in there uh, share your own experience in the comments so we would love to hear you know what you're seeing as the challenges and opportunities in capacity building at your organization. So uh, definitely get over to the, the show notes. And uh, as we're wrapping up our discussion of capacity here, it, uh, I'll also say that, you know, that the various links that we've referenced uh, throughout the, this show can be accessed in those show notes. And again, those are just at leadinglearning.com episode 115, and the links uh, that will be included there. uh, Among them will be the capacity continuum article that uh, we highlighted as a resource at the beginning of this episode. You'll be able to uh, just uh, easily download that by visiting the show notes.
1: And while you're at leadinglearning.com slash episode 115, you will see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, and if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also
0: be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. And to do that, all you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That'll get you to the right place to, to put in a quick uh, rating and review and We'd really appreciate it. Uh, It helps us know that you value what we're doing here at uh, Leading Learning. It also helps others know what the podcast is about, and it helps them to find it if they are looking for this kind of resource to support them in their own capacity building.
1: We would also be grateful if you would take a minute to visit our sponsor for this quarter, Blue Sky eLearn. Jeff and I really do put a lot of work into producing and delivering the Leading Learning podcast, and one of the key reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors like Blue Sky. So please visit them at blueskyelearn.com. In addition to finding out about their services, you'll also find a variety of great resources that Blue Sky offers for free.
0: Finally, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, Or if tweeting isn't your thing, just pick another social network of your preference, whether that's LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever you used, and get the word out there.
1: Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.